Hi, everyone. Welcome to another session of Quantum Health, where lately we've been talking about things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> uh, in this session, we're going to talk about COVID vaccine. And I know that there's tons of stuff out there on this topic already. And in fact, I can't even keep up with it anymore. But in light of the recent FDA approval of the Pfizer COVID vaccine, I know some people are asking questions and wonder if that means the Pfizer version is safe. I was watching the mainstream news on Tuesday morning, something I hardly ever do these days because it's so full of misinformation, but I was eating in a hotel breakfast room and the TV was on, so I had no choice. And according to their statistics, 31% of the people who originally said they would not take the COVID vaccine would consider it if there was FDA approval. Well, that day has come, so we have to talk about what that means, if it means anything at all. Well, I'm going to get right to it and give you a definitive answer right now about this. And no, FDA approval really isn't worth squat. And here's why. You're looking on the screen there, a report from CNN from May 9th, 2021. Now, I'll pause to say that I'm really no fan of CNN because they are notoriously slanted and even dishonest. But in this report, they got it right for a change. They report on a study from the Journal of the American Medical Association, one of the most prestigious medical journals in the world. So let's read part of that article together. Again, as you see the title here, nearly a third of FDA approved drugs had problems, study finds. So part of the article states, patients might think the US Food and Drug Administration's stamp of approval means that a product is the last word on safety. But about a third of the drugs the FDA approved between 2001 and 2010 were involved in some kind of safety event after reaching the market, according to a study published Tuesday in the Journal of the American Medical Association. The authors found that in that time, 222 novel therapeutics were approved, and there were 123 post-market safety events involving 71 products that required FDA action. Manufacturers needed to add 61 boxed warnings, also commonly called a black box warning, to call attention to serious or life-threatening risks. So there you go. Um, FDA approval really means nothing in terms of being the last word on safety. Drugs come to market all the time that are FDA approved that uh, have problems and show terrible side effects and even death after they're brought to market. Well, this problem isn't anything new, folks. In fact, it's been so widespread and so long-standing and so egregious that I took up my keypad to uh, write a book about it in 2002, one of the first books I ever wrote. And in that book called License to Kill, I talk about the problem of iatrogenic disease, and I reference a medical article uh, entitled Death by Medicine, uh, which... Uh, uh, appeared in the Nutrition Institute of America.org, uh, 2003-2004. And uh, iatrogenic disease, by the way, is, uh, they state in that article, Death by Medicine, that iatrogenic disease is the nation's leading killer taking more lives annually than even heart disease or cancer. Okay, so what is iatrogenic disease? Well, let's refer to Boyd's pathology. And they define it like this, in fear of the public, we seek refuge in a mystic word, iatrogenic, 
trusting that the patient will not consult a medical dictionary and find that iatros is Greek for physician and genetic means caused by. Unfortunately, what is powerful for good may also be potent for evil. So what is iatrogenic disease? It means death and disease caused by the physician. It's the leading killer in America, even more than heart disease or cancer. And you can go to either that article, Death by Medicine, or my book uh, to look at the statistics on all that. It's jaw-dropping, jaw-dropping. Well, uh, another book uh, that I recommend along these lines, um, oh, and you know what, before I go to that book recommendation, let me just... um, Uh, say one more thing before I go to that second book recommendation. Um, In in my book, License to Kill, um, subtitled The Growing Epidemics of Iatrogenic Disease and Bureaucratic Madness, um, I state that um, according to statistics, there are over 1.5 million adverse drug reactions or uh, ADRs every year from prescription drugs that were prescribed correctly and taken correctly. 1.5 million adverse drug reactions every year from prescription drugs. And of those 1.5 million ADRs, over 100,000 people die every single year. But you don't hear the mainstream media screaming about that, do you? Um, One example of this is the drug Vioxx. 55,000 people died of cardiac events as a direct result of taking Vioxx, and it was eventually pulled off the market. And the same has happened with another COX-2 inhibitor called Bextra. Okay, so so what we're seeing happening with the research or lack thereof surrounding the COVID vaccine isn't anything new. This has gone on in our conventional medical model for decades now. So, okay, so back to the second book recommendation. My friend, Dr. Ryan Bentley, wrote a book a few uh, years ago called Sex, Lies, and Cholesterol. And uh, in that book, Dr. Bentley takes aim at the lies surrounding statin drugs for cholesterol and how the research was manipulated to make it seem like these drugs really help in heart disease when in fact they don't. It's a very well-researched book, and he shows clearly the medical fraud that has been going on for a very long time in, in medical research. Uh, it's all about selling more drugs, and the drug manufacturers don't care who they kill in the process. By the way, um, Dr. Bentley's credentials aren't listed on that book there, but he is a medical doctor, a PhD, and a chiropractor, a very, very well-educated man. And um, his, his book is not very long, and it's, um, it's to the lay public. So even though it's a little technical, it's not over-the-top technical, so even lay people can read it. Sex, Lies, and Cholesterol by Dr. Ryan Bentley, um, very worth a read. Now, I bring this up because we're seeing with the COVID vaccine, uh, what we're seeing with the COVID vaccine is just one of many similar offenses by the drug companies and their partnership with the FDA, which I call the Fraud and Deception Association, (laughs) because I also report in my book how some of the members of the FDA actually have stock in some pharmaceutical companies. Now, folks, that's a conflict of interest. It's It's also a known fact now that the CDC owns 57 drug patents. What is the CDC doing owning a drug patent, even one drug patent? That's a conflict of interest. Anthony Fauci, owns drug patents. Folks, that's that's a conflict of interest on a criminal level. 
So no, I'm not quick to just trust uh, drug companies or the CDC and certainly not the Fraud and Deception Association or the FDA. I'm not going to just blindly believe everything these entities have to say when there's such an egregious history of fraud. Sorry, I won't be rolling up my sleeve anytime soon. But let's look at some of the data regarding the COVID vaccine and see if it's something that we can feel confident is safe or if we should avoid it. And once again, I'm not going to give you my opinion. These are just the facts, (laughs) ma'am. Well, you're looking at some screenshots of information taken from the CDC's Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, or VAERS. This is a reporting system the CDC uses to track uh, adverse events to vaccines and, and and, uh, uh, and yes, they've been keeping track of the adverse reactions and deaths related to the COVID vaccine too. Well, sort of. What I mean is VAERS only reports on adverse events that occur within 24 hours after the administration of a vaccine. They don't keep track of adverse events that occur three days later, three weeks later, et cetera. So the adverse events to the COVID vaccine and all vaccines for that matter are exponentially higher than what VAERS is even reporting. Some medical opinions are that VAERS represents only 1% of the adverse reactions that actually occur, partly because many adverse events are not reported at all, because people don't associate them with the vaccine they received, because it occurred later, the, the symptoms did, and because VAERS doesn't count events that occur outside of that 24-hour time window. But all that aside, let's just look at what uh, they are reporting. Well, the image on the left that you see there on the screen is the vaccine injuries that had been counted up to that time of May 2021. Um, And uh, the numbers at that time were 227,612. I know that's a little small on the screen there. I don't know if you can see that. But uh, again, it's 227,612. That was a huge increase from just the month before, uh, from April the 9th, an increase of over 56,000 vaccine injuries in about six weeks' time. Now, the image on the right is the death count related to the COVID vaccine. Notice the notation as of May 21st, 2021, that there were 4,063 deaths up from 3,919 the week before, representing roughly 20 deaths per day in the U.S. alone. The numbers have been climbing ever since, uh, so much so that I was told by a medical physician that he had it in good information that the CDC has uh, started scrubbing numbers so it wouldn't be so alarming because he was keeping track of the numbers uh, every day and he saw them drop dramatically on the VAERS site in just a few days time. Well, that's what he said anyway, but because I can't verify that, I'll move on. Now, remember the swine flu? Yeah, the swine flu killed, uh, or uh, the vaccine for the swine flu killed 53 people. Yeah, they tried to make a vaccine for the swine flu, and 53 people died in that testing process. So they immediately halted that testing. Well, how is it that people died from, uh, how is it that 53 people died in the testing process of the swine flu vaccine. And to date, over 5,000 people have died from the COVID vaccine that we know about. And it's probably a lot more. And somehow the, the powers that be are still saying it's perfectly safe. 
Now, I'll qualify that I do know that there is some information out there about how the COVID vaccine will reduce the severity of symptoms if you have happen to get COVID. I acknowledge that. So for those of you who might be saying that I'm being one-sided in this presentation, let me just insert that in here. But knowing what we know about the fraudulent methods of the pharmaceutical industry and the FDA, I can't be sure that even that information is accurate. But this is what we do know. The vaccine won't keep a person from getting COVID and it won't stop the spread. In fact, I'm hearing a lot of people now who have received the vaccine and then shortly thereafter, they get COVID. Well, one of the more high profile people that this has happened to here in Indiana is the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts football team, Frank Reich. He got a COVID vaccine and a few days later he had COVID. And I'm also hearing some of my clients say that they are seeing a wide array of health problems appearing among their vaccinated patients. I'm just telling you what practitioners are telling me. So even if the jab really worked great in keeping you from getting COVID, the question, question remains, at what cost? Well, let's look at some other medical perspectives here. Here's an article that appeared in Scientific American in June 2020 stating the risks of rushing a COVID-19 vaccine, telescoping, uh, telescoping testing timelines and approvals may expose all of us to unnecessary dangers. Yep. See, what they're getting at is that the vaccine research usually takes years, folks. In some cases, a vaccine can take up to 15 years to bring to market and usually no less than three to five years. And they still end up having side effects. But in the case of the COVID vaccine, this was uh, hurried to market so quickly that various steps have been skipped, such as animal testing, which means people, in, uh, people end up being the guinea pigs. There's just no responsible and uh, quality research can be done in a matter of months. Again, no, there's no way that responsible and quality research can be done on these vaccines in just a matter of months. And regarding animal testing, by the way, this wasn't actually skipped, I'm hearing now, but halted. Let me tell you what I mean. The, the researchers started out doing the animal testing on the COVID vaccines, but all the animals were dying. So they stopped it and just moved on. So again, humans have become the lab rats, folks. Let that sink in. This has never been done in the history of medicine. And that fact was brought before a Texas Senate by pediatrician, Dr. Angela Farella. Folks, these are unprecedented times. And that video of Dr. Farella's testimony is still available on YouTube at the time of this recording, but YouTube has been very efficient in censoring content. So that video may not last long. So I recommend an alternative to YouTube like a BitChute or a UgeTube, that's U-G-E tube for uh, uncensored content. All right. Um, Here's another article that appeared in the American Institute for Economic Research in May 2020 entitled, Why Operation Warp Speed Could Be Deadly. Uh, it's raising the same kind of concerns as the previous article in Scientific American. Uh, now, the players in this game know that there's gonna be collateral damage. So check out this, next, uh, uh, this, uh, this particular article and, and what it says. Um, again, why Operation Warp Speed uh, could be deadly. Look, look at what it says. If you're cheering the government for cutting red tape, think again. Liability shields, 
that means that these drug companies are shielded by law from from being liable if anything goes wrong or their drugs kill people. Yeah, <laughs> that's the world we live in. So uh, the author, Barry Brownstein, um, says liability shields for crony capitalists and no cost for failure policies guarantee errors will be made. Without market safeguards, significant injuries to human beings are highly likely. Errors will be exacerbated if medical tyranny prevails with legal mandates requiring the COVID-19 vaccine for employment and travel. So once again, the players in this game know that there's going to be collateral damage. So, so check out this next article. Um, Bill Gates, the, the, uh, the headline says, Bill Gates predicts 700,000 victims from corona vaccinations. And he's not sounding the alarm. He actually thinks that this is acceptable. Um, a little snippet from that article states, the U.S. billionaire Bill Gates is a big player in the corona, corona crisis and in the vaccination business in general. Folks, he, he's not a practitioner. He's not a doctor. He's not a scientist. He's, he's a He's a businessman. Okay, so again, the U.S. billionaire Bill Gates is a big player in the corona crisis and in the vaccination business in general. Um, finances the World Health Organization vaccination program to a large extent and wants to vaccinate all 7 billion people against COVID-19, including those already cured. In an interview with CNBC, Gates says that for every 10,000 people, permanent vaccination damage would occur, and he expects 700,000 victims. And again, apparently, he thinks that's acceptable. So when the COVID vaccines were first released, I started keeping a running record of the adverse events I was hearing about, as well as some of the other headlines surrounding vaccines and the parts of the COVID story we don't hear about in the mainstream media. And I stopped keeping track after that document got to be 17 pages long. There's just so much out there, it's now impossible to keep up with. But you won't hear any of that in the mainstream narrative. It's really a very scary one-sided presentation that should concern us all because that's how Stalin and Hitler were able to hoodwink an entire nation or nations by controlling the media and the narrative. Now, for more on that point, please go to the documentary Plandemic 2. You can find that on YouTube. Um, you can find that on some of the other alternative um, sites. To, to YouTube. YouTube scrubbed it a long time ago, but please watch that. And you'll see very clearly how the media is now little more than a propaganda machine. Well, even though I stopped keeping track of all the reports I was hearing about, uh, uh, about the death and the injury from the COVID vaccine, um, I, I do want to show you one story of a medical doctor who died shortly after taking the vaccine. Now, this is the doctor, and, and it's his wife who posted this on her Facebook page. So let me just uh, read this to you. I know that that's a little small on your screen, perhaps. So let me just read her entire post to you. So bear with me for a moment. The love of my life, my husband, Gregory Michael, MD, an obstetrician that uh, had his office in Mount Sinai Medical Center in Miami Beach, died the day before yesterday due to a strong reaction to the COVID vaccine. He was a very healthy 56-year-old, loved by everyone in the community, uh, delivered hundreds of healthy babies, and worked tireless through the pandemic. He was vaccinated with the Pfizer vaccine, yeah, the one that just got FDA approval. He was vaccinated with the Pfizer vaccine at MSMC 
on December 18th, three days later, he saw a strong set of, um, I'm not familiar with that term right there, um, something on his feet and hands, which made him seek attention at the emergency room at MSMC. The CBC that was done at, at, his, at his arrival showed his platelet count to be zero. A normal platelet count ranges from 150 to 450,000 platelets per microliter of blood. He was admitted in the ICU with a diagnosis of acute ITP caused by a reaction to the COVID vaccine. A team of expert doctors tried for two weeks to raise his platelet count to no avail. Experts from all over the country were involved in his care. No matter what they did, the platelet count refused to go up. He was conscious and energetic through the whole process, but two days before a last resort surgery, he got a hemorrhage, uh, hemorrhage, hemorrhagic stroke caused by the lack of platelets that took his life in a matter of minutes. He was a pro-vaccine advocate, and that, is why, and that is why he got it himself. I believe that people should be aware that side effects can, can happen, um, that, it, that it is not good for everyone in, in this case, and in this case, destroyed a beautiful life, a perfect family, and has affected so many people in the com community. Do not let his death be in vain. Please save more lives by making this Im uh, information news. Now, I'd like to take a few minutes to discuss um, a really short history of flu vaccines here for a few minutes, if I may. You know, COVID is a type of flu, and thus the COVID vaccine is a type of flu vaccine. Well, flu vaccines have never been effective, as I'll demonstrate from the, the history and the research. So let me jump into this. And, and by the way, this doctor that I just talked about is not an isolated case. Again, my document was 17 pages long of thousands of reactions and deaths related to that vaccine. And, and I stopped counting months ago, it's just climbed from there. So anyway, let's, let's jump into a, a short history of flu vaccines. So in 1918, um, and let me back up before I, I read this slide, let me just state here that, that flu vaccines today um, are all aggressively promoted by the Centers for Disease Control, the, the World Health Organization, the American Academy of Pediatrics, and the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. I mean, it's just, they're widely um, accepted now. And this recommendation originated in part from the 1918 to 1919 flu epidemic, which killed approximately 50 million people worldwide. Um, health professionals began promoting vaccines at that time for prevention of influenza, although there was little knowledge of how the pandemic began. Um, but by 1947, it was determined that, quote, the incidence of disease was no different in vaccinated and unvaccinated individuals. And I have the reference of that quote for you there at the bottom of the screen. Nevertheless, the vaccine was promoted for use in the general healthy population. Well, in 1957, uh, there was another flu outbreak, the Asian flu, this time originating in, where else? China. Well, this epidemic eventually resulted in almost 2 million deaths worldwide, 70,000 of those in the U.S. And I have that referenced for you on the screen there as well. During this particular pandemic, Maurice Hillman at uh, Walter Reed Army Hospital sent virus samples to drug makers and urged them to create a vaccine. Uh, while millions of doses were given to Americans, the vaccine was again proven to be worthless. 
And again, I have that reference for you, uh, number three at the bottom of the screen. So vac va vaccine advocates put forth the theory that the failure of the vaccines for influenza was due to the fact that they were given too late and, and, and that beginning administration before a flu outbreak would result in perhaps a higher rate of success. So in response, uh, public health officials started recommending routine vaccinations for prevention in 1960, which became public policy within a few years with virtually no additional data to support it. In fact, the evidence pointed to prevention, uh, the evidence pointed to preventive flu vaccines as a major public policy failure after a flu outbreak in the Midwest states in 1962 and 1963. Uh, CDC chief epidemiologist Alexander Langmuir and colleagues wrote in a 1964 paper that they had, quote, reluctantly concluded um, that there is little progress to be reported. The severity of the epidemic of 1962 to 1963 demonstrates the failure to achieve effective control of excess mortality. So let me read that again. I, I delayed there in getting that what I was reading up there on the screen. So again, CDC chief epidemiologist Alexander Langmuir and colleagues wrote in a 1964 paper that they had, quote, reluctantly concluded that there is little progress to be reported. The severity of the epidemic of 1962-63 demonstrates the failure to achieve effective control of excess mortality. And I have that to reference for you at the bottom of the screen as well. Now they went on to say, by the way, that routine vaccination should be continued only if better evidence could be found to justify the significant cost of the vaccination program, which never happened. Well, the CDC did conduct a randomized double-blind trial de uh, designed to determine if the flu vaccine prevented morbidity and mortality and concluded, quote, despite extensive use of influenza vaccines, attainment of improved morbidity and, and mortality has never been demonstrated never been demonstrated. A Food and Drug Administration review drew the same conclusion and cautioned that there were methodological, methodological flaws in many of these studies reviewed. So uh, the bottom line is that flu vaccines have never had a history of effectiveness in spite of the fact that they are widely used and promoted. Is this just a case of selective ignorance or is information simply being ignored for the sake of making money and selling vaccines? All right, so with all that information in mind, let's do a little Q&A. So look at the screen here. These are some facts to help you to make a decision. Let's go down the list here. There are 14 uh, questions and answers here. Number one, are, are the messenger RNA vaccines experimental? Yes. Have they been safety tested on animals? No. Well, and maybe they were in the beginning, but the animals were dying, so they stopped it. So that's a kind of a yes and no. Number three, have they been subject to medium or long-term safety testing on humans? No. Are the effects of the vaccines reversible? No. Will the vaccine stop me from getting COVID? No. Will the vaccine stop me from spreading COVID? Again, no. Will the vaccines allow me to stop wearing a mask? Um, sorry, no. <laughs> Number eight, do the vaccines contain genetically modified organisms? Yes, they do. 
Do the AstraZeneca and Johnson and Johnson vaccines contain aborted human or monkey cells? Yes. Number 10, do doctors have concerns about the messenger RNA vaccine's long-term effect on fertility? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, uh, women of childbearing age should not be taking this vaccine, especially if they're pregnant. Number 11, is there a risk of autoimmune disease, strokes, seizures, convulsions, or other side effects? Yes, they're already happening. 12, have the vaccines caused any deaths or injury? Uh, yes, lots of them. Are the vaccine manufacturers liable for injuries or deaths caused by the vaccines? No. Mm. And lastly, are the doctors and scientists are there doctors and scientists recommending people to not take it? Yes, there is. There absolutely is. Uh, so on that last note, I'm going to end this session by by playing just a few the, the first few minutes of a video where numerous doctors and scientists around the world are speaking out about the COVID vaccine, and you're not hearing about this in the mainstream narrative. So I'm going to play that in a minute, but but um, I want to um, bring up this point. Look at the screen uh, with all these uh, questions and answers in mind. Just consider what we just looked at. Let's think about an airline being uh, operated that way. Would you get on an experimental aircraft that had not completed standard safety testing, had no airworthiness certificate, and for which the makers have absolutely no liability for any deaths or injuries? This is what you are being asked to do with the experimental high-risk messenger RNA COVID vaccine. And again, that's not just my opinion. Uh, uh, there are many, actually thousands of medical doctors speaking out about this vaccine, and you're not hearing them because it's being shut down. Um, but I'm going to play just the first few minutes of a 28-minute video. I'm not going to play the whole thing, just the first few minutes of it, just to give you an idea of all the different doctors out there, very smart ones, that are speaking out about this. And then Perhaps you can go to the, the, the complete video and watch it later. I can't even keep up with the information anymore. I was trying to keep track of all the doctors that were speaking out about this and trying to save these, these videos for sharing with people later, but it's gotten to be so overwhelming. I've just, I've stopped keeping track. I can't keep up anymore. So I'm going to play that for you here in a minute. Um, and, but before I do that, uh, before I play that video, I, I want to just say that, that if the COVID vaccine won't keep you from getting COVID and it won't stop the spread, and it's been shown to have terrible side effects in some people, and you don't know if you'll be one of those people, then why do it? Why not rely on what we know boosts the immune system safely, like zinc, vitamin D, vitamin C, quercetin, et cetera. And if you wanna add a pharmaceutical agent, fine. Ivermectin has been shown to be a great antiviral agent. L listen, folks, people don't get sick because they have a deficiency in some sort of pharmaceutical agent. That's not how God designed the body to work. I mean, my goodness, how have we survived this long as a human race since we've only in the last 100 years or so had access to vaccines? We should have been extinct a long time ago if it's vaccines that are keeping us alive. What in the world did we do before vaccines? See, you can't bring about a higher state of health by injecting chemical agents into the body. We've been conditioned to believe that vaccines are good and helpful and free of side effects. Well, 
I first started learning about the lies surrounding vaccines when my daughter Hannah, our first child, was still a baby, and she's 26 years old now. So this was 26 years ago that I first started learning about all this. Um, Hannah got half of her vaccines, and then we stopped that process because of all the things that we were learning about. Our two other children, Luke and Drew, haven't had a single vaccine. And they're very strong and healthy and hardly ever get sick. And my grandchildren haven't had any vaccines either, thank God. And they're uh, as healthy as can be. No, the body doesn't need chemical agents for health. It, it Maybe in times of emergency, uh, like if there's a staph or something or strep, um, an antibiotic is good in those situations. So in emergency situations, drugs can be helpful. Uh, but the body doesn't we don't bring about long-term health with long-term drug use. Um, the body doesn't need chemical agents for health, as I said. It just needs good nutrition, proper rest, clean water, some exercise. Um, and in this day and age of food that's been tampered with, it's good to have some vitamin supplements on board as well. Now, speaking of my kids, I, I want to make one last statement before we move on to this video. Uh, this whole COVID thing has never been about good science, so please spare me the lectures. My youngest son, Drew, is a budding athlete, and this past year in basketball, he played in a couple of tournaments where everyone in the building was required to wear masks, even the coaches on the sidelines. But hey, the boys could be on the court bumping sweaty bodies against one another, breathing in each other's faces, and handling the same ball for Pete's sake. Yeah, that's good science. Or how about the restaurant fiasco? It's ludicrous. I, I like Panera Bread Restaurant. And when, when I go in there, uh, when, I, when I would go in there at the height of all this, I would walk in the door without a mask on and some mask Nazi would call out from across the restaurant, sir, do you have a mask? But as soon as you go into the dining area, you get to take it off. So um, COVID must be a very compartmentalized virus, huh? It, 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 it exits or it exists at the, uh, it exists at the ordering counter apparently, but as soon as you get into the dining area, it stops. So don't you see the ridiculous hypocrisy and the stupidity of all that? So no, if you believe that's okay, you don't get to talk to me about science because you obviously know nothing about science, sorry. Or if you do know about science, you are so myopic in your view of all this that you can't see the forest for the trees. Well, with that little soapbox diatribe out of the way, here's a few minutes of the video and then we'll end. So let me click out of my slide presentation and uh, go to this video. I don't know how good the audio will be, uh, but um, I'll just play a few minutes of this and uh, we'll end. Belgian medical doctor, and I'd like to say that a new COVID-19 vaccine is not safe and that there is no global medical pandemic. For almost 20 years, the pharmaceutical industry has been trying to develop corona vaccines, but never managed because they saw in the animal trials that there were serious side effects, autoimmune disorders, when the animal was exposed to a new wild-type virus. These autoimmune disorders are comparable with the complications we have seen in some COVID-19 patients. Now, due to the excuse of a global pandemic, the pharma industry has the permission to skip the animal trials. This means that we humans will be the guinea pigs 
and we might get severe side effects when we are exposed to new viruses. My name is Nils Foss, I'm a medical doctor in Bergen, Norway. The COVID-19 vaccine has not been proven safe and effective. It's a new technology and it's been tested on a few thousands of people in a few months. Please do your own research. This is not a real medical pandemic. The death rates in Norway are not higher than on average year. Dr. Elizabeth Evans, retired doctor and co-founder of the UK Medical Freedom Alliance. The COVID-19 vaccines are not proven to be safe or effective. We believe that it is reckless and unnecessary to roll out these essentially experimental vaccines that are using a completely new mRNA technology to millions of people when there is only limited short-term safety data, no evidence that they will prevent transmission of the virus, and no long-term safety data to rule out late-onset negative effects like autoimmune diseases, infertility, and cancers. This is Dr. Mohammed Adel from United Kingdom. I am fellow of the Royal College of Surgeons of UK and consultant surgeon. I have been working for the National Health Services for the last 13 years with unblemished.com. I am chairman of the Global Experience Organization, All Pakistan Medical Association UK, and recently we have developed World Doctors Alliance in collaboration with thousands of health professionals across the world. Recently, we had a very successful webinar, which has been viewed by millions of people across the world. I am standing for the cause of the humanity, especially in the current situation of the devastating impact due to the coronavirus and its restriction imposed on the public. Many thanks. Doctors aren't allowed to question COVID-19 in public. Material containing the truth about the alleged disease and the vaccine is banned. In the last year, I've been demonized and lied about, and a 50-year career and reputation trashed by those promoting a pandemic that never was and a vaccine that was never needed. The whole COVID-19 scam is, as I said in March 2020, the greatest hoax in history. The principle of informed consent is essential in medicine, but patients now having vaccines can't give informed consent because they aren't being informed. Thank heavens for sites such as Brand YouTube, which carry uncensored videos by doctors who've been censored or banned elsewhere. My name is Professor Dolores Cahill. I'm a molecular biologist and an immunologist. And we have good news. The coronavirus and the lockdown was not as severe as was thought. We know that we can treat uh, the symptoms of COVID-19 very successfully with vitamins D, C, and zinc, and with very safe medicines. Um, so therefore, the lockdown and the measures like quarantining, social distancing, and masks were not necessary. And also, a vaccine is then also not necessary. There has never been a licensed RNA vaccine, and this is not because there have been many clinical trials but that in the safety studies, there was significant adverse events and death in the animals that were used in these studies over the past 20 years. My name is... Okay, I think you get the idea. Um, so uh, with all that said, 
Um, I would encourage you to do your own homework. There are literally thousands of doctors speaking out about this uh, COVID vaccine. Some of them, some of the brightest immunologists in the world, who many of which are pro-vaccine people, uh, except for this one, except for this, uh, uh, they don't even call it a vaccine. So I would encourage you to do some of your own research. You could look up American frontline doctors if you wanna um, hear more of what some of these physicians have to say. Um, many, many American doctors and globally as well are speaking out about this, but they're, they're being vilified, demonized and silenced. You won't see any of their testimonies um, on YouTube or, or Facebook or certainly not the mainstream media or um, the mainstream medical narrative either. Uh, so there's something wicked this way comes. Uh, we don't know what the um, underlying motive is. It certainly is money, first of all, to sell more vaccines, but I think there's more to it than that that I won't comment on right now. I've uh, taken longer than I usually take, so I'm going to shut it down now. Uh, God bless you all. Educate yourself. Uh, be careful out there and let freedom reign.